Hey there, it's Radio Free Oz again. Oz in your ears. This for the week of October 31st, 2011. Peter Bergman here in Los Angeles reminding you that the big green button is back up on RadioFreeOz.com and you can contribute again. And we're, we've been getting a modicum, a slow but regular stream of money which is keeping us on the air, keeping me on the air and my co-host, David Osman up on Whidbey Island in beautiful Blue U Studios. What's up, Dave? Hiya, Pete. Well, I was just, while you were saying, the Radio Free Oz, you know, the free part. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be sure what the free part is. The free part is we can say anything we want. The other right. part is it costs money for us to get to you. So um, I'm glad that button is back up and people are contributing. They should, uh, they should contribute. Come on. Next month, you know, it's almost no. It is November. I mean, if if you're listening in November, it's November, and uh, well, it's getting real yes. close to Christmas. And you know, you want to take a look at uh, where your Christmas money is going to go. And you know, five bucks to Radio Free Oz is not a bad idea. Ten bucks would be better. What can I well, say? Well, ten bucks—they're both good ideas. Just depends on. For some people, these are really hard times, and the most we can ask from you is to download regularly and, and keep our audience there. And for others, you know, if you're running a hedge fund or if you find money under a hedge, then we're the <laughs> people to send it to. By the way, Dave, I was talking to a friend yesterday who has um, a bunch of uh, material up on YouTube. He bought uh, all the rights to uh, the Newport uh, uh, Jazz Festival, uh, uh, folk festivals. Oh wow! And he said, you know, one of the ways you can make money is you can put your stuff up on YouTube or you can have advertisements and they pay you what they call something like CPM. They pay you so much per thousand, cost per thousand. And I thought, well, is there anybody that I'd want to have advertise on Oz? I mean, we are the outlier. We do get to say pretty much everything we want to say. So who is it? that could advertise that would not stand in the way that our audience would say, oh, that's cool, we like them. Is there anybody mm. anybody you can think of that's just absolutely scandal-free and totally green and cool? Oh, well, there's the, the, yeah, but but do they have any money to advertise? That's the next question. Well, that, yeah, it's interesting. Just, there was there, there was a piece in the in uh, in uh, the Times in the business section about how you can monetize your uh, you know your silly video. If, uh-huh. if your yes. silly video gets like a million hits, they yeah advertise against it. That's what they that's what they're they're doing. And I mean, I don't think you. It's like any other kind of advertising. You start to discriminate, and you're weird. You know. Yeah. If you get a, if you've actually advertised something that gets a million hits, and you're early in the business, you get a buck per thousands. You get a thousand dollars for that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people are literally making money and making, uh, you know, silly cat videos to go on to YouTube to get, you know, hits on so they can get advertising. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Anybody out there can make art. You don't have to be an artist or know anything. All you have to do is have a, have an, a camera and take pictures of your pussy cat. That's all. Or your pussy. Either no, one no, will get there's you not, lots of not, hits. Yes, but that's you guess the distribution problem is uh, is problematic. And please, if you're running for office, don't yeah. take a picture of anybody's pussy. No, please. No. Well, my favorite is. Did I tell you about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, talk about a slow news week. Yeah, it Did was we a talk? slow news week. It really was. 
Did we talk about the New Jersey governor, a New Jersey mayor, who went out to Las Vegas and had a rent-a-boy incident? Did we talk about that last week? <laughs> I don't think, no, we didn't. Okay, Not last week. okay. Here, here's the deal, David. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's bad pictures and bad pictures. Now, Wiener, right, had pictures of his Wiener that he took at the House of Representatives gym or the congressional gym and sent it out to... I think a call girl in Las Vegas and had a long virtual love affair with her, and it cost him his seat in the House. And in fact, the House seat went to the Republicans. They were so disenchanted with Wiener's Wiener. But you know, there's the best one by far, the most kind of bourgeois quotidian uh, uh, example is this mayor of a, of a New Jersey town, goes out to Las Vegas, I think for a convention, okay, looks up rent a boy and gets a male prostitute to come and have an affair with him in the hotel. And he tells the male prostitute, who says that, you know, I'm not just a prostitute, I, I also have a, uh, I do recording in a recording studio. He says, I can get you a recording studio, says this, <laughs> this Mary. He promises him money in a recording studio. Little does he know that when he falls asleep, naked except for his Calvin Klein underwear, this guy takes a picture of him. Just lying in the bed, eyes closed, <laughs> slightly paunchy body with his nice pair of blue Calvin Klein jockey shorts, all right? So, of course, he doesn't get the guy a recording studio. He welches on his promise. So the guy publishes the picture. And the first thing the guy says, he takes the wiener defense. I think it was Photoshopped. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sure don't look like Photoshopped to me. Oh, boy. So, Renta boy, just you know, remember that other um, big Christian conservative uh, uh, congressman who was found with a renta boy he took to Europe and all that. Oh my, it's just uh, oh, well. Okay, surely let's go these back. these these renta boy guys are not running for president, Pete. We know that. There no no one. I mean, George Romney is it not George Romney? What the hell is his name? Uh, uh, Rick Perry Romney. It, it. Mitt Rick, Mitt oh, yeah. It Romney. It I T T Romney. Uh, it, yeah. No, his dad was the other one, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, it, 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 the, uh, it, the, uh, the suit, the empty suit. Now, it or the man who scares us, Mitless, has changed his mind again. Are we surprised? You know, he has that special spandex in the empty uh, in his the empty suit that he that he wears so that he can flip flop and still not and come out crease free. Now, Mitt Romney, he said last summer that he thought global warming was real and that human activity contributed to it. He was recorded on video at a campaign event, changing his position for a conservative audience. He said, my view is that we don't know what's causing climate change on this planet. And the idea of spending trillions and trillions of dollars to try and reduce CO2 emissions is not the right course for us. Then he goes on to say, drill, baby, drill, uh, coal, and nuclear plants. And this man actually believes that the conservative base believes him, wants him, you know, wants him around. They hate him. They, they hate him. Of course him. they do. Of course they do. Uh, he said, you know, there was a piece in the Times uh, today about how he's a rule guy, you know. Uh, uh, Romney follows the rules. It's and if you and if you go over five seconds in your debate time, he's going to be yelling for the you know moderator to shut you down. He's a That's he's right. a he's a rule freak, which immediately made me think of boys' vice principles. 
And you know no. how I feel about boys' vice principals. <laughs> He's probably a combination of two worse, both boys' vice principal and guidance counselor. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's got guidance counselor written all over his poem. <laughs> There's just no doubt about it. And it's because Romney is such a, I, I don't mean to say non-candidate, it's that he's such a non-personality, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody really likes George Romney. Excuse yeah, me, Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. Father, George, George, people like George, right? He was from Michigan. He was another guy. He liked the automobile and he, industry. He was in there. And he, uh, and he ran a car company. Yeah. Excuse me. Let me just... Uh, Kill that telephone down there in the... Uh, uh, well, it, that's a touch of reality that we put into the show. We don't want people, people to think that we're coming from some fancy studio down here. This is my desk. All right, so they like George Romney. He ran what American Motors that turned out Nashes and Ramblers for a while, yep, right? Yep. Okay, so the fact that people, I'm, now the people I'm talking about, remember, the only people that are important to Mitt Romney right now are the folks that are going to vote in Republican primaries. We keep forgetting that new, you know, the 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 requirement to turn out news stories is so heavy that they talk about the American people. No, it's a small group. <laughs> Of motivated Republicans. That's Iowa, Iowa, Florida, uh, North South Carolina, Carolina, South, South Carolina, yeah. and what? New Hampshire. Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, right. Exactly. These, and that's a small group of people, okay? Now, they don't like him. They don't like him so much that, they, that they've left and allowed a total boob, fool, clown, and fraud to jump to the front of the Republican race. How many Herman, candidates are you talking about? Oh, just Herman Cain. Oh, just Herman. Just <laughs> Herman Cain. He's seven no, or eight people in mind there. Well, the lower tier has a couple of boobs and fools in them, but nobody like Cain. Yeah. Because Cain, like Sarah Palin, and this is what pisses me off so, has no intention of being president, is not running for president. All he's running for is to raise his cue so he can charge more for his lectures after he finally doesn't get the nomination and can sell books and basically get a job on TV. He is a total ignorant fraud. His his latest, I mean, what what is what is Kane's latest besides saying he's going to electrify a, a fence and fry Mexicans? And and his that's latest after he been, shot him down. Yeah. Now he refers to the Palestinian. Uh, people as the so-called Palestinian people. In other words, a couple of weeks ago, he didn't know what the right of return was when he was asked on a TV show. So he brushed up on his uh, Near East politics and has come up with this extremely right-wing idea that there are no Palestinian people. Okay. And he's, did you hear about his chief of staff the, the ad that they ran on television, uh, really, in a sense, their first ad. Have you seen it? I, 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 our, our friend Dave in the control room has seen it and explained it. I haven't seen it yet. Just a still shot of the guy, you know, with his Marlboro. Whatever. No, not a still shot. Uh, Maloney, you saw it, right? Yep. Yeah? He saw it. Yeah, well, he saw it. Okay, what it is is this totally amateur video of this chief of staff standing out in front of some building. I mean, it is true low-end YouTube. It costs them 32 cents to make this ad. And he's talking about what an honor it is to, to be you know, his chief of staff. By the way, this guy has a totally untoward record. He's, he's from Wisconsin. He was banned from politics. He's had all kinds of problems. He's a sleazebag, okay? And at the end, as he's talking, he pick, his hand comes up and he takes a big puff on a cigarette and blows smoke at you. 
Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, of course, this causes this huge uproar. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody realizes that Herman Cain, as the president of the Restaurateurs Association, that's what qualifies him to be the commander-in-chief and, you know, our chief executive, lobbied hard against anti-smoking in restaurants, lobbied hard against reducing the legal level of alcohol in the blood so they could sell more drinks in restaurants. And people are thinking, did he do this to send a signal to the public that he stands by smokers? Is this the way he's going to, like, up his smoker base? Let's see. I, he- I think smoking has gone down now to 17% of the population, something like that. Is that right? Well, you know, well, like 22%. In, yeah, well, Go in ahead. New York, it was like 25% until recently. And now, you now you know, if if you smoke, they throw you in the Hudson River. So not too many people are doing it anymore. There are, yeah. There is, however, in New York, uh, a, uh, they now have uh, a smoking, um, uh, you, you know, places you can go and make your own cigarettes. What? You what can you roll about? your own cigarettes. I mean, it's, yeah, well, it's legal to sell the papers, the tobacco, and so forth, and yeah. you could put that together, and then you've made your own cigarettes, and of course, yeah. of course, it's great tobacco, you know. I mean, it's from, it's like Merlot, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. it's, it's the a gold, best, yeah. gold standard, there's no 97 degree, <laughs> you know, chemicals in there to keep it burning, keep it not burning, all this stuff. So yeah, that's the latest. That's the latest. That'll be. Um, I'm sure that'll be big in California very soon. Right next to the, right next to the medical marijuana places, they'll be growing your own uh, tobacco cigarette places. Yeah, but they, they all look like fatties, though. I mean, everybody's got their bacon, man. Okay, so right. Kane. I mean, it really does bother me. This country, the United States of America is the world's superpower. It's one thing for the Italians, who, God bless them for all sorts of things, are rather meaningless on the world scene as a nation to elect uh, a misogynist semi-fascist as their premier, okay? But if you took take a look at all the other reasonable or important countries, I'm going to put China out of the way because we're going to get to them in a minute, they have real people running them, you know, uh, Honest to to God, politicians, uh, people who are intelligent, you may not agree with all they do, but they really belong there. Herman Cain? Yeah. What this says to me, and and I don't see why people don't pick up on this. I guess it's because once you accept it, the, the Republican Party becomes less of a real issue. If he can be leading the pack to face Obama in 2012, they are doomed. They are not real. Do you know what I'm saying? There's nothing real about Herman Cain. And it, it, it's possible, Dave, that they'll come to the convention without enough candidates, in, enough electors or candidates, whatever you say, in anybody's pocket. And they may broker some sort of, and here's Jeb Bush coming deus ex machina Uh-oh. out of the ceiling. <laughs> here's Governor Christie. He's being all 300 pounds being lifted down onto the stage in clouds of confetti and sparkle. Who oh, I, I like that. That's a great image. 300 pounds, kind of in a golden chariot, like uh, like yes. Catherine Coleman in the old days, you know, in a golden exactly. chari- chariot with, you know, white doves coming down from the ceiling. And there he is, Chris Christie. Yes. Oh, look out. The wires or, are breaking. <laughs> or they'll march him in on a red elephant. 
Um, you know, the Raj returns. The Raj returns, yeah. Well, let's kind of dispense with the boy's vice principal and the and the pathetic idiot. Where should we move on from now? Now, now Governor Goodhair's in a lot of trouble, okay? He's the man that got cheered by all those bully boys at the debate when he said, "Yeah, I've executed more than more people than any other governor and I don't I don't doesn't I don't lose any sleep over it at night." Okay, he's got another controversial execution coming up, Dave. This is a guy that was uh, convicted of killing, I believe, his wife. And he said that he was completely under the influence of alcohol and codeine and couldn't have killed anybody. And the fact is, they didn't check out any of the DNA on the evidence on the scene. Okay, now... Perry, I didn't realize this before, in the case that was controversial before, the guy who said he wanted his DNA checked, he fired all the people off the forensic committee that was going to do it. He fired them. Now you've got a guy that says, check the DNA before you kill me. It wasn't me. And, and Perry is going, well, this is a court decision. I have nothing to say. He's in trouble, man. And uh, I think maybe wouldn't it be a good idea if we he, – he gave a, had a big, another big prayer meeting last week. Oh, you know, really? At Self-Reli- yeah, at Self-Reliance Stadium uh-huh. in Houston. And uh, we have a recording uh, of it, which I think we'll play it now, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear him. Or here's Governor Goodhair at Self-Reliance Stadium. Howdy, dear friends. I'm Governor Rick Perry, and welcome to Kneel Down America my historic gathering of real ultra-faithful citizens. When you're down on your knees like that, I'm twice as tall as you, and that lets me look over you into the future. And what do I see? I see our ship estate unmoored from its rock-bound Christian principles floating aimlessly on a sea of trouble. And the captain is not at the wheel. He's out chugging unleaded lattes and selling socialism to the cross-dressing sodomite elite. We have sitting behind me on this pagan free stage the answer to America's prayers. Let me introduce the modern-day apostles. There's my friend, the Reverend Doug Stringer, who revealed that 9-11 was God's punishment for allowing homosexuals to move freely among us. Thank you, Doug. And next to him is Pastor Jim Gallo, who warned the nation that gay marriage is our next 9-11 because it robs a family of a mommy or a daddy. You're a prophet, Jim. On Jim's right is Minister Cindy Jacobs, who recently revealed that the birds that fell out of the sky in BB, Arizona, were a result of the repealing of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Cindy asks... Is it a coincidence or a sign from God that the governor of Arkansas is named Bibi? And it was their former governor, the Sator Bill Clinton, who invented DADT. Someone is speaking in Cindy's ear. Next to her is my dear friend Brian Fisher, director of the American Family Association, who's footing the bill for this dispensational event. It's Brian who stands between us Christians and the beasts of the depths. When that whale killed its trainer at SeaWorld, Fisher called for the Leviathan to be ritually stoned to death because, as it says in the book of Exodus, when an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten. 
Yes, we can kill that whale, but we just can't can it. Right, Brian? And last but certainly not least is Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer. Mike, bless his heart, has outed another of Satan's secret helpers. Who? Oprah is who? Oh, says Mike, she's a classy woman, a cool woman, but she has a spirit of deception and is one of the forerunners of the harlot movement. Oprah Winfrey, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, and Elizabeth Warren, the four horsewomen of the apocalypse. So, if the devil and the Democrats want to wage a class war, then I'm ready to go to the head of the class and be your captain. And I implore you, dear friends, don't vote for me because I'm a Christian. Vote for me because you're a Christian. Well, Pete, that's an astonishing recording. My gosh. Well, do you, do you think the Christians are actually going to rush uh, to vote for Perry simply because they are Christian? Well, it's it's an interesting question, Dave. You take a look at the polls, I mean, and lots of them, all have Perry under 10%. Yeah. Continuously. He has not been able to break that after being the leader. He just, he fell by, by calling people who don't want to give immigrants' children to a college education heartless. That did it. He's gone. You're dead. That tells you something about the people that are going to go to the Republican primaries and vote. No, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, he's still got $15 million worth of money to spend on whatever he wants to make his case. Uh, I, I don't know. If he doesn't win, if he can't compete in South Carolina, then he's a dead duck. Okay. Okay. I want to show you the great plutocracy, right? I want to show you how corrupt this country has become. And it's a small thing, okay? But sometimes the small things give away the zeitgeist of the time. All right. This is Leon Panetta, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he says uh, to someone, this is about a couple months ago, turn on CNN in 15 minutes. He's talking to Ted Balastrei, who's a, you know, he's talking to the wife of Ted Balastrei, who's a restaurateur, okay? He says to her, turn on CNN in 15 minutes. The president will have an announcement. And by the way, tell Ted to get ready to open that bottle. He wagered a $10,000 bottle of wine that Obama would be killed by, um, Excuse me, that Osama bin Laden would be killed by Obama. What is the head of the CIA? Where does he get $10,000 to make bets like this? A $10,000 bottle of wine. I mean, it's the, it's the absolute gold standard of corruption, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Well, Panetta, my God, he's been around forever from one, one government job to another. Just, he wasn't even from California originally, Leon Panetta. Oh, anyway. yes, absolutely. Yeah, Leon yeah. Is, is, yeah. Been around forever. Well, so, you know, well, that's where they go. They, they, get, they run the Army, and then they run the CIA, and then they run the Army CIA, and the CI Army, and they're all the same yeah. now. You know, it's mushed together. Do I think that's enormously corrupt? I think it's disgusting is what I think it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. a $10,000 yeah, bottle of wine? Are you kidding? You hold national uh, office on, on, the, on the, oh, the selection of the president? I'm sorry, Jack, you're out of here. 
Um, really, yeah, I really. Mean, I mean, first of really. all, where does he get $10,000 worth of disposable income to go bet on the head of Osama bin Laden? A $5 bet? I can figure that's okay. It's not a very good idea to bet publicly on, you know, taking out Osama anyway, if you're the head of the CIA. I guess you have a little inside of- information, don't yeah, you think? But a $10,000 bet is one thing. A $10,000 bottle of wine stinks. Anyway, okay, you yeah. know, those Democrats. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there's say. it's it's Washington, you know, and I hate to sound like the, the all the Tea Partiers, but in fact, those people who've been in Washington for 30 or 40 or 50 years now, they they are absolutely ignorant of anything anywhere. And I'm, I'm I, they're ignorant of Texas. They're ignorant of California. They're ignorant of Washington State. They know nothing, nothing. It's an insulated city where uh, uh, only, uh, well, extremely wealthy people, you know. Well, wealthy, and, by the way, Washington, D.C. is now the wealthiest town in the country. Yeah, and the Did counties you know around it. The counties around yeah. it in Maryland and Virginia are the wealthiest counties in the country. So yes. they don't know what everybody else is going through. They haven't got any idea. And, and, no. and, and, and uh, oh, well. <laughs> I, I it, it is very discouraging to realize that um, that uh, on the on that level on that level of Tea Party thinking that Washington is completely fakakt and doesn't know anything about the rest of the country. It's horrible to say, but they're right. It's true. They don't have the foggiest idea. And where does the president go? You know, he's got safe houses and businesses all over the country. Let's go to this, you know, the one he missed was the one uh, where they were selling, the, the, you know, making the solar panels. Oops. I guess that was a Oops. mistake. Oops. But let's go back to, let's go back to uh, Ford Motor Company. They're doing just fine. The profits are up for, uh, what, another quarter for, uh, at Ford? <sighs> at least he doesn't choose... Uh, to make his speeches in front of places that he says are doing well that are bankrupt. <laughs> the Republicans are running around in front of bridges that are falling down. They just don't have the the the, the, the advanced party that the president has. <clears throat> okay, the Republicans, okay? The Republicans are saying, uh, we've got to stop uh, spending, sending all this entitlement money to the people of the United States. And you know, they're right, okay? Bloomberg now reports, Dave, get this, that a record 49% of Americans live in a household where someone receives at least one type of government benefit, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And 63% of all federal spending this year will consist of checks written to individuals for which the government receives currently no services, the White House budget estimates. That's up from 46% in 1975 and 18% in 1940. These figures will climb in coming years. The 75 million baby boomers have only begun their long march into retirement, while President Obama's health care overhaul will extend insurance coverage to more than 30 million additional people. Why is it that I don't think this is good news? Why? I mean? I mean, <laughs> Why? Yeah. I, mean I, I, I get a check from the government. I get Social Security. Uh, in a sense, my Medicare is a check from the government. Right. Okay. When they cover my hospital. Right. Uh, 
that's the only that's the only money I get from them. And those are all I mean, I, I paid in to get that back. So maybe I'm not giving them any services now, but I sure gave everybody a lot of services before. But the fact is, is that you could look at that and say we're turning into a welfare state or you could say these checks represent the distribution uh, to, to, to the United States to improve their welfare, the common welfare. Okay, the Commonwealth. What's the problem here? Well, so I think that yeah. Go ahead. Well, oh, I, no, no. I think you know. I mean, it's SSI. It's uh, you know, yes, a lot of welfare checks, a lot of unemployment checks going out from the government. Um, not as many as there used to no, be. No, not as many. It's falling no. off. But I mean, if we're talking about amounts of money that's going from the government to people that they have actually paid for. Mm-hmm. They've you've paid yeah. for your Social Security, you've paid for your Medicare. It was on every single paycheck you ever got. So I, I, I don't I you know that's apart from um, if that's if that's a considerable percentage of the budget, then yeah. to my mind it's only right. The problem with the budget of this country is its notion of incredible superiority, which. When it comes down to what I really hate about America right now is its, yes. is its sense of superiority. It's, it's unbelievable that we think we can, we can uh, uh, influence everybody with our massive, massive armies, our, our CIA agents, our, our, uh, you know, our, our uh, anti-terrorist you know, sheriff's department. Uh, it's it's horrific. Yes, horrific. it is. Yes, and, yeah. and, and uh-huh. it's all it's, based it's on this thing of exceptionalism. And you talk to any one of these Republican candidates, and or Leon Panetta, and they're all going to say, "Amer, well, it's exceptional. We lead the world with a house on the top of the shining hill, and all of that stuff." Instead of saying, "Let's just be." average Joes and get along with everybody else. I'm sorry to repeat that awful, can't we just get along thing from the 70s or whenever it was. But, you know, why can't we? Why do we have to be belligerent, mean, uh, 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 in uniform? Um, Why do we have to do all that? Why? What's the point? I've lived in this country for 75 years. And believe me, in the last 50, it's just gone downhill. And the basic reason for this is this ridiculous feeling of American exceptionalism. And that includes the exceptionalism of the capitalist system as over against the communist system. Like, uh, that took a lot of time, and about 10 minutes to, get, to, <coughs> yeah. to eliminate it when it finally you know, reached its max. Uh, uh, it's it, the exceptionalism. It, it's this, it, it's like a sports metaphor. It, it's like yeah, and- it's like we're the Yankees. You know, it's like it's it's like uh, I, I I don't get it. I don't get those kinds of loyalties. I don't get that kind of pa- patriotism. So write me and tell me why you're patriotic. Write me and tell me why this is an exceptional place. You're an it's immigrant ex- and it's came exception- here. Yeah, you know, it's you're- exceptional to, to these people, David, because we are consuming 25% of the world's resources with 5% of the world's population. Mm-hmm. We are living. It is an exception. 
We are truly living an exception to the world rule. If indeed the world's resources were distributed in such a way to give everybody as good a possible life as possible, we would probably be consuming 5% of the world's resources. Now, let me ask you something, David. What would our lifestyle be without a change in science right now if we had to reduce 80% of the material that we consumed? What would that look like, do you think? 80%. Do you think that would be... Eighty well, percent. If we, if yeah, if we went from twenty-five percent of the world's resources consuming them to five percent, that means we would give up eighty percent of our uh, use of the world's materials. What would this place be? Well, let's it, let's start with the amount of of fuel consumed by the fifth and sixth fleets. Okay, that, right, oh, that I, means, I could I could yeah. see that going down. You know, there's a lot of uh, petroleum there that the Navy is using, cruising endlessly around the oceans, waiting for something to happen. That'd be a good well, place know, David, to start. David, we we do get paid back for having the only blue water Navy. You have to remember that we are the only superpower. We're the only blue water Navy. We're the only true worldwide ready at any moment air force. Okay. And what we do is we keep the world peace. I know that sounds strange, but the fact is, is that when we stop being the world superpower, okay, which will happen sooner or later, probably in a hundred years, things are going to change radically on the planet. Because, you know, a lot of people say the American century is over, that we're in decline. I beg to differ. We are not in decline. This is the beginning of the American century, like it or not. And I'm not promoting it as something that's good. But the fact is, when you have the only Blue Water Navy, the only worldwide Air Force, and you control the skies with your satellites, we are definitely in charge, and we're going to stay in charge for a long time. So the question is, how do we re-channel that power so that it becomes beneficent and it becomes, you know, excuse the expression, more one-worldy, less than American exceptionalism. Do we have the spiritual material to do that? What do you think? Well, I thought we might, I thought we might have had it years ago. I think that the, uh, that the concerted effort to diseducate Americans over the last 30 years uh, uh-huh. ha- has worked against any sense of morality, any sense of uh, uh, of equanimity with the rest of the world. Uh, it's it's the most, you know, you know what people were watching football last week, and that's what right. people were doing. Uh, mi- millions and millions of people were watching football last week. Uh, <clears throat> surely more than were watching the Republican uh, debates, and who could blame them? But I mean, that's. That's America, buddy, is the football game, is the World Series, is, uh, you know, is, is Pan Am going to last more than six weeks on television, uh, you know, as a repeat of the glorious 1960s with those girls in, 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 in uh, hostess uniforms. I mean, it's just, it, it's at a, it's at a, a, a level of banality, but you, let's go back to the present. Is Romney has the rules here. He's got the rules, and the rules is we're the superior. We're it. We're, we run it. Yep. That's the rule. Yep. So there's no moving away from a rule. And, and, if, and if you are the, the, the keeper of the rules, which people who believe that God wrote the Bible and that uh, that says everything about everything that needs to be said, then they're writing the rules. And it, it, uh, Maloney and I were talking about this just briefly as, as we were la- uh, listening to— uh, 
<laughs> listening to the Rick Perry uh, uh, piece and just wondering, you know, how how it could how how it got to this place, you know, that we could be uh, uh, surrounded by people of such uh, obvious. Uh, uh, no, no quality, disqualif- disqualifiable people immediately. Uh, well, the part of it has to do with the fact that we have lost our our educational base. Yeah, we are a country that doesn't speak any language except American English, so we have no way of understanding what the rest of the world is doing, and this allows us to become increasingly xenophobic. Let me point to a marvelous little article, okay, to, to make this point. Mm-hmm. Crockett, get this, Crockett Keller, a state-certified gun safety instructor in Texas, wants to help you get a concealed handgun lesson. That is... Unless you're a Muslim or a liberal. (laughs) If you are a non-Catholic, Arab, or Muslim, I will not teach you the class with no shame. He, in other words, uh-huh. he's not ashamed to, to deny it. He says uh-huh. in a controversial new radio playing around Mason, Texas, where Keller owns a gun store. Now, this guy is licensed by the state. He says, if you are a socialist liberal or you voted for the current campaigner in chief, please do not take this class. You have already proven that you cannot make a knowledgeable and prudent decision as under the law, he added. Wow. In an interview with a local ABC affiliate, Keller made it clear he was serious. I will give up my license to teach before I will teach them. Now, Muslims <laughs> and liberals and anybody that voted for now, they're new, the campaigner in chief. There, that's America, buddy, Whoa. or that's a part of America. Yeah, what's interesting that's about that is that you need a lesson to carry a concealed handgun. I mean, I think you well, need a holster underneath your coat. I mean, what else do you need? Well, you, you got to learn how to not blow your toe off <laughs> <laughs> when you put the gun under your coat, you David. Oh, there's blam. a reason oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, this yeah. is called the safety, and this is what it looks like when you've got a round in the chamber, even though you think your gun is empty. That sort of stuff, okay? Now, who is actually pushing back against American exceptionalism? Well... Besides Elizabeth Warren, who I love dearly, there's Occupy Wall Street. Oh, yes, them. (laughs) Now, wouldn't you you know, the minute that Jerry Brown, I'm going to cough for a second. (coughs) Wouldn't you know that once Jerry Brown stops being mayor of Oakland and becomes governor, Oakland is taken over by God knows who, and the Oakland police tear gassed the Occupy Oakland people, and shot a projectile into the face of an Iraqi war veteran. Chris Olson, the Iraqi war veteran, the Iraq war veteran, I should say, injured by a projectile during an Occupy Oakland protest, has regained consciousness, but he cannot talk, according to a friend who served with him in Iraq. He communicates with friends and family by writing notes as he awaits surgery. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, Occupy Wall Street protesters were arrested again for violating a curfew recently instituted by the governor. And again, they were released when the judge refused to sign the warrants. Hmm. Think about that, Dave. There's a judge in Tennessee who won't cooperate. Okay. Well, we're getting getting rid of all those judges who won't cooperate. Yeah, we'll get rid of them. Now, California, the Oakland encampment, seems to be have reestablished itself with 50 tents now pitched in the plaza and few police in sight. And in England, a second clergyman at St. Paul's Cathedral officially resigned in protest of the church's attempt 
to evict activists. Okay. Well, there's okay. some there's some honor honorable people out there. Yeah, indeed. There are. It, it's worldwide, Dave. It's happening worldwide. And to me, the turning point is the Stalingrad winter that they now face. Okay. If they can get through the New York winter, because they still are the focus of Occupy Wall Street, right? People still look to what's happening in New York City. If they can get through the Stalingrad winter, we will have an American spring. Anti-Wall Street protesters around the country who are vowing to stand their ground against the police and politicians are also digging in against a different kind of adversary, cold weather, all right? With the temperature dropping, they are stockpiling donated coats, blankets, and scarves, trying to secure cots and military-grade tents, and getting structural tips from homeless people who have joined their encampments. Everyone is beginning to call it Valley Forge moment, said Michael McCarthy, a former Navy medic in Providence. Everybody thought that George Washington couldn't possibly survive in the Northeast. So you know what it comes to me? It's one thing to dress up as George Washington as a tea party and carry a sign saying AK-47 next. And it's another to actually live through Valley Forge to relieve and redeem your country. That's what I think. Yes. Uh, yes, my, you know, my admiration lights are on. But on the other hand, <laughs> it's just so incredibly pathetic that that this has to be the the way we uh, try to talk to our government. I mean, this is a democratic country. We've got we've got primaries. We've got people to elect. I mean, that ought to, that ought to be the way we we were raised to believe that that would be the way that we would change society is through democratic elections, not through sitting in in parks. However, if you take this back to the sit-ins, uh, uh, the uh, uh, teach-ins, I should say, uh, from the Vietnam War, we're looking at 1961 or 62. Right, no, sixty-three. No, a little later was, than that, the well, teach-ins were more like sixty-five, sixty-seven. I was at I was at KPFK in Los Angeles, and believe me, in sixty-three, people were protesting the the Vietnam War big time. Yes, they were. Okay. And in the yes, next so couple of years, period, in the sixties, yeah, yeah. Th- these weren't the sit-ins yet. These were the teach-ins. This is where people yes. were being educated, try the uh, as to what the war was really about and what its intent was right. and what was really going on on site. Um. The teach-ins should have proceeded, and maybe they are a partner with the uh, the Occupy, which is really a sit-in, um, the uh, Occupy Wall Street. The, 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 the lack of, um, you know, you can't educate people with signs that say, I'm, I'm one of the 99. I mean, it's good, but... You can't educate people that way. And I think if the, if the uh, Occupy Wall Street <clears throat> protests are going to be successful, then they have to get beyond um, the, the, the sit-in and into the teach-in. Um, and certainly police brutality, I mean, that's what lost, you know, that's what, what happened in the South. I mean, my God, uh, dogs and water hoses. Uh, will they get to dogs and water hoses in New York City? Mm, I don't think no. so. Uh, that would be really not. bad. You know, that would be really bad. And no, so Bloomberg won't allow it. No, no, no. no there won't no. be. There won't be. No. And the police actually, in general, it appears, don't feel that way about the protesters. Remember, these people are not throwing rocks at them. These people are not 
hurting yeah, them. Yeah, these are not they, protesters in that sense, no. No, they're not anarchists in that sense, and I don't mean all anarchists are are, are rock-wielding, you know, uh, hooded people. But, David, it is a teach-in. Here's the difference, and yeah. I know that there are types of teach-in, but basically every time an international camera looks at a sign that says the beginning is near, uh, let my children go to college, I couldn't <laughs> afford a politician, so I made this sign. We are the 99%. That is an international teach-in, reaching more people. Now, admittedly, it's on a, on a in a sense, a, a sloganistic level, okay? But it's right now, in 2011, the most effective way to get across a message of, of a few people standing up against an incredible power center. I mean, how in the world can a few, excuse me, they, they, they're calling them hippies from the right? Take a look again. No, these are college graduates. These are diverse, educated, ready to be there people with a sense of humor. How are they going to stand up against blank fine and all the all the bozos on Wall Street and all the criminals and, and a government that has, what, 60% of, of all senators are millionaires, you know? How do you stand up against this plutocracy? Well, they're doing it with their bodies and their minds and their senses of humor. And it's working, Dave. I don't know if it'll succeed, but right now it's working. And it's the only hope we have, I think. I think uh, Manhattan is the home of something like 20% of the 1%. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. Now, wouldn't You're it right. be interesting if the 20% that call out, call them out, call them out. Let's get some action here. Hey, you billionaires. Hey, billionaires, get out of your apartments. Come down, come down to the street. Let's go. Let's go. Let, tell me how much yeah. money you're going to give away, you know? Hold them responsible. I mean, especially in Manhattan where all of these billionaires live. I mean, Gee whiz, you know, they're That's right there. That's a good there. idea, David. Call them out. Yeah. And, and that means, of course, <laughs> the police don't like you getting in front of a building and yelling at people in the building. They really don't. That's, a, you know, that's crowd control. They'll move you back and do all those things. But I, I think if you call out the billionaires uh, in that city and demand that they show up, show up. Tell us why you deserve to have five billion dollars and and can and can fire thousands of people from your corporation and still collect millions of dollars of golden parachute money. I mean, these people are evil. Not all of them. Not all billionaires are evil. Uh, you know. Wait a minute. Who's who's the first? Who's the lowest hanging fruit in this strategy, David? Uh, Who is the easiest to reach billionaire in New York? Huh? Uh, the mayor? Who is it? <laughs> the mayor? The mayor. <laughs> the mayor. Let's just start with the mayor because it's it's not considered outré to go stand out in front of City Hall and protest the mayor's government, right? That's or right. the mayor's That's actions. Right. Let's call Bloomberg out, ask him how much he's worth, how much he gives to charity, why he deserves to have what he does, how he made it. Let's lay it on the table here, Michael. Why don't you come and join us and, and, and um, shrive yourself of all your money, right? How much do you pay in taxes? How much do you have in offshore accounts? They will get to this, David, particularly since I'm going to take this show as I always do and twit it to um, Occupy Wall Street. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. No, call, call him out. Barry Diller and his, and his, uh, his wife, 
uh, 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 what's her name, von Furstenberg, um, just gave uh, like $25 million to extend the uh, the High Line in Manhattan, which is, um, you know, an elevated park that's made out of uh, railroad, old railroad tracks. Uh, Barry Diller, <laughs> whom I knew when we were both about the same age and worked for the same company, ABC, uh, you know, there we were kind of equal guys in the same office. He's a billionaire, and I don't know where my next dollar is coming from. What's the matter with this picture? Uh, well, you know? Herman Cain will tell you, it's your fault. Well, it is my hey. fault. It, yeah, absolutely, no, it's, it's Herman. It's, fault. it's my it's fault. It's my fault. fault. I chose, I chose a, 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 an unprofitable career, uh, whereas Barry, Barry Diller, he, he really liked television, knew how to really make money out of it, went immediately into the movies, uh, was the head of Paramount, did a pretty good job at Paramount, you know, you then know bought QFC. I mean, look, this is the progress of a billionaire. How do they get there? Parlay one big company out of another big company. Uh, it's you, like Elizabeth Warren says, though. Congratulations, Barry. You've done it, 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 lo as long as what you did was legitimate. But here's the deal: you don't have the right, really, in our Commonwealth to keep all of that money. We made it possible, and we, the people, but that, that created the roads and the schools that educated your workers, that keep the gangs from from jumping you in the streets <clears throat> with our police forces, <laughs> etc. You've you really have to give a considerable amount of this egregious profit back to the Commonwealth. All it's right. It's a political decision. Yeah. All right. Hashtag yeah. Barry Diller. <coughs> well, Get uh, out there and meet those guys. Get out hash there. Hashmark Barry Diller. Hashmark okay, Barry there Diller. There is, by the way, besides <clears throat> Occupy Wall Street, there is one other very strong force that the plutocrats are afraid of. By the way, Occupy Wall Street is is really worrying a lot of in-the-know plutocrats. Trust me, okay? The other is the hacktivists. The hackers mm -hmm. are taking down... Look, Anonymous, which is the most known group of hackers... Oh, I thought that was the new... Attention. I thought that was the new movie about Shakespeare. <laughs> no, these are the guys that wear those uh, V for Victor, V for Vengeance. Oh, v yeah, 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 yeah. Anonymous has turned its attentions from corporations to pedophiles with the news that the hacktivist group has taken down multiple child pornography sites, including one of the largest knowns, which account with account details of 1,589 users being posted online as evidence. The incident was just part of something Anonymous is calling Operation Darknet, a move by the group to eliminate child pornography on the Tor network. Tor, which was originally developed as a way of protecting government communications by the U.S. Navy, now describes itself as a network of virtual tunnels that allows people and groups to improve their privacy and security on the Internet. But the privacy and anonymity it offers has been abused by child pornographers, something that Anonymous aims to correct with its new campaign. So you can't hide in the Tor tunnels. Mm, the Tor tunnels. Yeah. Not heard of those the, before. The Tor mm. tunnels. So what do you got? You know what it's going to end up being, too? The hacktivist versus the drones. Because NASA has now admitted that two of its satellites, which are a form of drone, right? They're just flying objects that are controlled from a distance. There's no difference between a satellite and a predator in, in terms of its general description, Okay. One is in a synchronous or asynchronous orbit. The other one flies around. But twice their um, 
satellites were hacked, and they believe that the hacking, which they now claim came from the Chinese military, uh, was long enough and deep enough to uh, gather all the information they would need to take the sucker over. Okay? So we're going to see hacktivists versus drones and, and web criminals. We're going to see OSW in the streets. I'm going to hopefully, if not next Saturday, as soon as possible, take my digital recorder down to the OSW, you know, Occupy Venice or Occupy Los Angeles, and start getting some reality statements from these folks. You how know, many, so we can hear I, I, them in their own words. How many, you know, as, as I think everybody knows, Los Angeles is the endless city, and Los Angeles County is even bigger than that. Uh, wh- uh, where, where all are there Occupy sites in the area? Because Manhattan, well, everybody's there, you know. Well, yeah. Well, there's there's Occupy Los Angeles uh, is normally downtown, mm-hmm. okay, somewhere around Pershing Square, which is officially the center of Los Angeles, so to speak. Occupy Venice, which is right here in one of in my that's adjacent to where I live. There were about forty pup tents out in this little um, uh, traffic circle, a little grass piece of grass on a traffic circle. Okay, they took the tents down in the evening because that was the deal. But there they were. And uh, there's Occupy uh, Orange County. And uh, if you go up on the website of Occupy Wall Street, you'll see exactly where they are. They're all over the place and they're growing as we speak. Some of them are tiny movements in tiny towns. But the fact is they're making their presence known and more and more people are supporting them. One of the reasons they're supporting them is that they are leaderless You don't have to take sides in terms of, I don't like that guy or that gal that represents them, you know. And also, they are weathering a withering attack from the right wing. The right wing is accusing them of being what, as Cantor calls them, bums, hippies, a mob. They're accusing them of being anti-Semites because a couple of people have marched with anti-Semitic signs, right? Jews control Wall Street. What they didn't show, if they'd have, if they'd shown the whole picture, was a guy next to that guy with a sign pointing at him saying, "This man is an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> so they've got it, man. They've got the sense of humor. <clears throat> Only a sense of humor and courage can bring down the plutocracy. We have to embarrass them into submission. I don't want to take arms up against them. I want to embarrass them. I want to use surrealism. I want to use art. And I want to use courage to bring these people down. Okay? Bravo, Uncle Pete. Bravo. Well, thank thank you. Thank you so much. I'm encouraged by this whole thing. You know, this is... Yeah. I'm perorating, but there you go. By the way, just to, just to add a, a final fillip to this discussion, the drones, right... And this is what the, the, the fascists, led by our drone president, Obama, he may have, he may have uh, inherited the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but he is the drone meister, okay? There's no doubt about it. He is the drone meister. People should start asking him when they're invited to the White House if they're going to be droned, okay? <laughs> Drones took out another suspected militant in Pakistan, this time Khan Mohammed, deputy leader of a group led by his cousin, Malvi Nazir. Drones fired six missiles at his pickup truck, killing Khan Mohammed, Nazir's younger brother, and three other militants, i.e. if you're in a car with this suspected militant, you're a militant. Three others were injured in the attack, intelligence officials tell the Associated Press. Nazir is accused 
of working with the Taliban and al-Qaeda to strike troops in Afghanistan. He's also believed to have close ties with Pakistani intelligence. Okay, we have close ties with Pakistani intelligence, and we are negotiating with the Taliban. So what's up, Dave? Well, I don't you know? know. I think it's 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 another Western metaphor. It's another endless American Western metaphor. I'm I, I'm riding the 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 West. I got my shotgun. And I got my good horse, and as soon as I see a criminal, somebody, uh, you know, suspected of being a criminal, well, somebody's maybe got somebody else's cattle, maybe. Well, I just blast him off his horse, that's all, bang, and then we move on to the next evil guy. I mean, endless, this, um, America's Western mythology, uh, you know, is, is, is an integral part of its uh, military philosophy in this country. Abs- absolutely. You know, if you're not sophisticated and urban and you wear a turban, hellfire up your ass. But it's a one it's this one at a time thing. I mean, that's what's so John Wayne about it. You know? Yeah. Blam! Okay, it's, got that sucker. Let's move on and find another sucker. Blam! Got that sucker. I mean, it's better than massive wars where a million people get killed like overnight, you know, or you sit in trenches and die of, you know, yeah, listeria or whatever is and, is in your trench trench foot. Well, David, just, yeah, it is better than something. that, but still, it's the it's this a uh, 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 cowboy philosophy that runs American foreign policy has as for years. I I don't think it's quite so much in the uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton administration as it used to be, but it certainly runs the military. Okay, now you've come up with a very interesting metaphor, which is the the Western mythos and the drones. Here's the deal. In the Western mythos, it was a gunfight between two people who could see each other, right? Okay, first of all. So your, your enemy was standing 40 paces away from you. The cowards were the ones that hid with rifles right. in, the, in, in, in the buildings, which, of course, our hero was able to take out with stray shots. Right. And they came falling out. These are the cowards. The drones are the cowards hiding in the sky, killing people without a chance for them to take a shot back. You know, it's just it's just insane. I'd like everybody to see a great old uh, Japanese movie called Yojimbo. 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 And this is a movie about a um, uh, about a guy who comes to town, you know, stranger comes to town. uh, That typical movie opening. He comes to town and people are fighting with each other. And he doesn't join one side, and then he doesn't join the other side. But eventually, he gets the two sides to kill each other, you know, and then walks away. The last line of the movie is, well, I think the town will be a little quieter from now on. A great Western, Japanese Western film, which solves the problem um, without droning. It just puts the puts the, the 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 guys who like to hit each other and kill each other who are so unbrave. They are such cowards. It takes them a long time to get to the point where they can actually attack one another. And then when they do, you know, they're some are dead, some are run out of town. But it's all over. The town is now quiet. And uh, isn't there gun versus sword in that too? Doesn't oh yes, gun appear- yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. One the 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 big guy. He actually looks. Very un-Japanese, looks very Western. 
uh, has a gun and uh, and he's willing to use it, but it doesn't work. You know, I, the sword is well, faster against, than a gun. He's up against a Shiro Mofumi. <laughs> That's right. How in the world do you think a gun, a prop gun from Nippon Studios is going to take out their major star? He's insured. Anyway, it's a very <laughs> cool movie, which I just happened to watch again the other night, and it does solve the Western metaphor amusingly and with great style. Well, Dave... Uh, as long as you're going to go Eastern on us, which I really appreciate, you know, I'm a big Toshiro Mifumi fan. I just love him to death. My favorite film, I think the greatest film ever made, or one of them, you know, is The Seven Samurai. Uh, uh, let's switch from Japan over to China, if you'd be so good, and give us the October poem from one of our favorites again, Li Ho. Well, actually, Pete, it's the end of October. Starting mm-hmm. this week, it is November. So I'm going to give you Li Ho's November poem, which is oh. re- which is really um, hmm, it's it's quite a lovely piece and 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 worth thinking about. Okay. Okay. Ninth moon, November. Except for a few lost fireflies, the summer palace is deserted. The sky is water. Yellow bamboos, cold pools, dead lotus. The moon shines on the gold rings of the gates. Chilly garden, empty galleries, blank white sky, frost walking in the wind, autumn leaves, gorgeous as brocades in heaps along the roads. No watchman at the palace to announce the brilliant dawn. Ravens croak by the brass well as the cola leaves spin down. Boy, that's a, no, that's a November I'd like to experience. Okay. That's, that is really, that's a wonderfully kind of spooky, uh, uh, has a little spooky uh, Halloweeniness about it as well. So, uh, and, and right on, as these wonderful Tang poets always are. You know, one of the ways you can always judge the year is what becomes the overnight sensation Halloween costume, right? It varies from time to time. I think Obama was a big figure after winning or about to win in 2008. Uh, do you know what the, the big flash surprise is now, last minute, is that picture of Michelle Bachman on the cover of Newsweek with that starstruck look. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank and you, Pete. Pete. Well, both Dave's, no waiting, Dave Maloney, who gives us uh, his wonderful technique and his Blue U studio, Dave Osman, my co-host and dear brother. I want to thank Chaz Glass, and I want to thank uh, uh, Scott Wild and Phil Fountain and Tom Gedwillow and Doc Technical and John DeSimio, all who helped make this an extraordinary experience. Uh, stay tuned. Go up to RadioFreeOz.com, please, and contribute. Press the green button. Give us whatever you can. It will be appreciated, and it will be immediately used. I promise. It is not being put into a sinking fund to buy David and I a $10,000 bottle of wine. That's a promise. <laughs> That's a promise. That's a deal. Me too. Okay, see you soon. 